I'm Orion Cooling. And I'm Zach Meyer. And this is Shadow Carriers. And this Halloween season, we're excited to bring you further into the shadows with us. Each week of October, we're dropping brand new episodes with a unique partnership to West Coast independent rapper and producer, Tommy Jordan. So join us now for a creative take on our storytelling process as we present Shadow Carriers for Shadows. including Captain Dead, lying in chart room, and on bridge probably, whole crew dead. I die. It is June 1947 and the haunting words of the telegraphed message echo through the captain of the Silver Star's mind. His steel gray eyes anxiously pierce the horizon as he scans for any sign of the vessel from whence it had come. There had been no sign off to the missive, no ship's name, No location, no coordinates, no details, just a helpless cry into the ether to anyone that might be listening. And indeed, people were listening. Almost a hundred ships would have received the eerie correspondence that day. The Straits of Malacca was the predominant shipping channel between the Indian and Pacific Ocean. Vessels of all origins and makes carrying varying goods were constantly pushing their way up and down the channel. And within each of those ships would sit a crew member, hunched over a telegraph machine, listening intently to every blip and beep that would resound from it as Morse code sang out into the night. The mysterious SOS shook all that received it. Immediately, efforts were made to attempt to triangulate the source of the signal, and confusion only heightened when it was realized that the summoning vessel was not in the strait at all, but rather further out to sea in the Indian Ocean well off of the more established shipping lanes. All ships within the immediate region received another correspondence, this from the British and Dutch listing posts, which contained coordinates of the distressed ship. The captain of the Silver Star had looked to his charts and been surprised to find themselves within the region. Of course, taking the time to go searching for an unidentified distressed vessel would cut into his own delivery schedule. He'd likely be a day or two late with his wares as a consequence of it. But there was a sense of honor amongst all seamen, no matter their country of origin or trade. When another ship and crew were in danger, it was your duty to provide unhesitating aid. Silver Star, in search, will report findings. And now the Silver Star was approaching the coordinates given to them as the last known location of the craft. The captain could feel an uneasiness creeping into his chest. What if she already foundered and gone under, leaving them searching the ocean for an entity that no longer existed? They were well off the trade routes that he was familiar with now. He was a masterful navigator and confident in his ability to return them to civilization once more, but even still, there was something unsettling about the vastness of the waters that lay before him. The thought of being able to spot one singular vessel amidst it felt like perhaps he'd engage in a fool's errand. Their search went on for nearly three hours. He was just on the verge of giving up when his first mate snatched up the binoculars on the console and peered across the waves. His fingers nudged the lenses into focus, squinting into the device before crying out, There! There! I see them three points off starboard bow! The captain didn't need to see for himself. He immediately barked out orders to alter the ship's course so that they might come up alongside the vessel. 
The helmsman responded quickly, turning the helm as ordered. The captain pivoted on his heel, making his way towards the small office that served as the radio room. He instructed the telegrapher to attempt to make contact with the ship, to let them know that they were coming to their aid. There was no response. The captain grit his teeth, ordering that he continue to try and make contact before leaving the room. Within 20 minutes, they were approaching the vessel closely enough that details were beginning to be noticed. Outwardly, there did not seem to be any signs of distress to her hull. Yet even still, she did not appear to be under steam, simply floating aimlessly on the vast ocean like a child's toy bobbing across a pond. There were no signs of movement on her deck, and when one of his crew members called out towards her, there was equally no response. The captain motioned to his officer for his binoculars, and when he peered closer, he could now make out the name of the vessel painted in black along her stern, SS Orangmedan. The captain ordered the ship brought alongside and for the two to be tethered together. Once the vessel was secured, the crew climbed their way one by one up a makeshift ladder they'd created and over the sides. Each of them were silent as their feet touched the deck. And when the captain finally made his way aboard, he himself equally froze. Before them lay a scene of chilling horror that not even the wildest imagination could have conjured. The deck of the Orangmedan was littered with the corpses of its crew members. This alone was enough to give even the strongest sailor unease, but what was truly disturbing was the grotesque way in which each body was laid across her decks. Every corpse was laying on its back. The eyes were wide open, bulging, staring straight into the sky above them. Every man's mouth was wide open, seeming to emit a final silent scream of horror. Their arms were twisted and frozen in such a way as though they had been fending something off in their final moments before life was ripped from them. There were no signs of conflict, no bodily harm, no clear reason for such destruction to have taken place. Pushing through the uneasiness that racked his body, the captain ordered the crew to search the rest of the vessel for anyone that might yet still be alive. The men scattered, moving with haste, even though there was not a single glimmer of hope to be found in their chests. The captain of the Orangmedan was found on the ship's bridge. His hands were still clutched tightly on the rail. His body slumped grotesquely against the glass window, as if he had been peering out at whatever had caused his crew members such fright when he perished. The commanding officers of the vessel were located in the chart room. Similar expressions of horror written across their features as the men on the main deck. Even the ship's dog, a wire-haired terrier, was located, its lips drawn back in a brave and powerful snarl. The captain of the Silver Star found himself moving through the lower level of the craft, calling out for anyone below. He tugged at the thin cotton of his jacket, drawing it closer around his body, before he paused. Cold. Why was it cold? It was a hot summer day. Just earlier, he'd felt the irritating trickle of sweat rolling down his back as they boarded the vessel. That the belly of this ship should be so chilled made no logical sense. If anything, it should be a stifling, sweltering heat. As he moved through the darkness, he came across a small, dimly lit room. Pressing the door open, he peered inside and there found the body of the telegrapher that had sent the initial distress call. His finger was still perched desperately on the machine, a 
attempting to make one final cry for help. On his face, a look of utter anguish and fear in his wide-open, unseeing gaze. After the ship had been thoroughly searched, it was established that there was no one left aboard that was alive. The captain stood silent for several long moments. They had already done their duty. They came to the aid of a ship in distress, but they were too late. There was nothing left to do except report their findings and return to their jobs. With any luck, they'd only lose one day of travel and still make it to port before his employers could be too displeased. And yet... Bring all bodies to the main deck and see they're covered. There are blankets in the bunks below. Prepare the rain medang for towing. We'll bring her back ashore so the families can tend to their loved ones as they see fit. The crewmen blinked. They knew this meant their wages would be docked by their shipment's tardy arrival. Yet, as the captain peered around, he saw understanding slowly dawn on their faces. It was the right thing to do. What any of them would wish to be done for them were the tides turned. Each man murmured their assent as they departed, some to arrange the bodies, some to bring up the blankets, and some to prepare the ship for towing back to shore. Yet, even with all this movement through the dead ship, no one saw the wisps of smoke beginning to roll from beneath the number four cargo hold door. After almost an hour of preparation, the crew had returned to the Silver Star and was preparing to begin their journey back to shore. Correspondence had been made with the listening posts to alert them that the Orangmadan had been found, that none were alive aboard her, and that she was currently in tow. The engines of the Silver Star had just kicked into gear when the captain turned back to observe their haunting cargo, and he frowned. Something was amiss. Blooms of billowing black smoke had now begun to form above the ship's deck, rolling high into the bright summer sky. Release the lines. Release the lines, damn it! Get her untethered, she's about to blow! The crew of the Silver Star gathered on the deck in shock as they watched the Orangmadan sink beneath the surface of the Indian Ocean. The bodies, rolled so carefully and thoughtfully within the ship's blankets, descended with her, sinking down to the depths of their final resting place. Only the quick actions of the Silver Star's crew had saved them from meeting a similar fate as they'd managed to throw off the final tethering line just in time. The captain looked on stoically before ordering a final missive to be sent. Explosion on the Orangmadan. Ship and crew lost. No survivors. The legend of the Orangmadan has been a longtime source of curiosity and wonder to all that hear her story. Some research has shown that there are no reports of a ship by that name in the records of that area, leading some to believe that the whole thing is simply a made-up sailor's tale. However, others have theorized that the ship may have been carrying illegal cargo and sailing under an alternate name, which might explain the source of the final explosion that took her under. Similarly, when reviewed, there was no mention of the rescue attempt in the Silver Star's logs, but it has been claimed that the reason for that would be due to a cover-up amongst multiple countries of the ship's existence and what it was carrying to its final destination. So... Was it a conspiracy that took the Orangmadan under? Or an illegal smuggling operation gone awry? Had a supernatural curse befallen the ship? Or shall we follow the wide, unseeing gaze of the deceased crewman to the sky? 
1959, C.H. Mark Jr., a member of the CIA, penned the following letter to a colleague explaining his thoughts and concerns on the matter. I feel sure the Orangbadan tragedy holds the answers to many of these unsolved mysteries of the sea. Also, I've often thought about the many sightings of huge fiery spheres rising from the sea or disappearing into the sea by ships, captains, and crews of the 18th and 19th centuries. There are alarming passages in old English chronicles written in medieval Latin or books printed before the year 1500 AD which suggest that these fiery spears cause destruction and that they come from within our planet. For instance, in 216 BC, things like ships were in the sky over Italy. Also in AD 1067, people saw fire that flamed and burned fiercely in the sky. It came near the earth and for a little time brilliantly lit up. Afterwards, it revolved ascended on high, then descended into the sea. In several places it burned woods and plains. Yes, the enchanting sea. What terrifying secret does it hold? I feel sure that the SS Orangmadan tragedy also holds the answer to this secret. C.H. Mark would never unlock the secret, but on March 8, 2014, Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 would be flying across the Indian Ocean when she would suddenly cease to exist from all radar. No wreckage or evidence of a crash were ever to be found. But there were some that were quick to point out the final coordinates of her known flight, several miles off the site of the Orangmadan's descent into the sea. And in 2019, a series of body parts were found washed ashore in a similar area. The bodies had no trace of violence or cause of death upon them, and many remain unidentified to this day. Despite the extensive research and science that have taken place, there is still so much that we do not know about this tiny planet we call home. Within our oceans alone, which makes up 70% of our planet, 80% of it remains unexplored, unmapped, and untouched. Reputable scientists that are proponents of string theory have also put forth the idea that while we are only able to perceive three dimensions, it is possible for up to 10 dimensions to exist. And in the very recent months, NASA, the leading US experts in space research, have created a committee with the specific intention of studying UAPs, or Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena. Dr. Stephen Greer, one of the preeminent leaders in the Disclosure Project, a movement to press the government to release what they know about extraterrestrial existence, wrote the following. It's an understatement to say that the time has arrived for a serious and open international dialogue regarding the possibility of future interplanetary relations. And no other area of human experience has so much evidence existed for so long and yet attended by such paucity of serious research and analysis, at least in the civilian domain. While the subject matter of UFOs itself is extraordinary, the absence of serious human response to it, that is the most extraordinary. As NASA and leading scientists in space and UAP research begin the process of making their discoveries more accessible to the public, perhaps it may yet be the bizarre events of the Orangmadan that hold the key to unlocking so many of the mysteries of vanished or crewless vessels found across our oceans. Though as we stare into the terrified expressions and listen to the silent screams of the crew of the Orangmadan, it does prompt the inevitable question, are we sure we want to know what it was they saw in those final moments? 
This episode was written by Angela Davis Cooling, performed by Zach Meyer and Orion Cooling, sound engineered by Zach Meyer, sound designed by Tommy Jordan. Production manager is Angela Davis Cooling. Associate producer is Sarah Perry. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to support our work, become a patron of the podcast and get exclusive content. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com shadow carriers. If you'd like to buy our storytellers a drink, you can donate to our Venmo at shadow carriers. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay updated and connected to all of our upcoming episodes and events. And most importantly, if you've enjoyed your time with us today, please consider subscribing to shadow carriers and leaving a review on your podcast provider. As a small podcast, your reviews and subscriptions really help us grow our listener base and influence the mysterious and chaotic spirits known as algorithms. We've served you these stories for a peek to the other side, but as you leave us, we wish you fair winds and following skies. Hey, Henry and Leo, what do you think about taking a journey onto the Indian Ocean to see what the Orang Medang saw? <laughs>